Amen. 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 God is good. Amen. Well, you know, as my wife uh, mentioned, you know, uh, no, Phil mentioned last week. <laughs> but I was going to say thank you all for coming out for those that made it. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, appreciate it. Always good to see uh, familiar faces. Um, and, you know, she preached the word. <laughs> Amen. She preached the word. So uh, glory to God. Amen. Amen. So we're going to jump in this word. I know what I want to say, but I don't know if I'm going to say it or how it's going to come out. <laughs> you know, sometimes you, you, you read and you, you prepare and then when the moment of truth comes here, you, you're like, okay, Lord, where you want me to go? How you want me to do this? <laughs> you know, so, but we'll, we'll just flow with it. Amen. Amen. So, uh, you know, last week we talked about uh, I am the true vine, so we'll continue along with that. Uh, John 15. For those that weren't here last week, so um, I believe we read the whole chapter last week, but we're not going to do that today because we're not going to probably get through most of this. Um, amen. So John 15, we'll probably read the first, probably the first six verses. Actually, probably through verse eight. Gospel of John, chapter 15. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. <coughs> Excuse me. Alright, John chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. <clears throat> I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Amen. So, you know, last week we talked about Jesus is the true vine and how, you know, sometimes we can see that word true and we can automatically think that the opposite is a false vine right but in this case it's not a false vine because I, I walked through the scriptures last week going through Psalms chapter 80 that Israel in the Old Testament was the vine of God and so because Israel was the vine of God and God established them that they were supposed to be divine they can't be false but the word true here actually means to be the opposite of imperfect so they're not false they weren't false but they were imperfect so we all know because we haven't seen it a bunch of times when we read the Bible in the Old Testament that Israel, no matter what, they would do good and they would fail. They would do good and they would fail. So the thing was this, that in the Old Testament, let's turn to, let's see, Jeremiah chapter 2. We'll go to Jeremiah 2 and then we're going to swing over to Isaiah 5. Because it's important to know that 
we need to be rooted in the true vine. Because sometimes we can find ourselves rooted in the wrong things. And not sometimes it, it can happen by accident. All right, so Jeremiah chapter 2, uh, verse 21 says, yet, yet I have planted you a noble vine, a seed of highest quality. So he's talking about Israel here, that he planted them as a noble vine, a seed of highest quality. So they were supposed to be doing right because he planted them, right? So how then have you turned before me into the degenerate plant of an alien vine? Now let's go to Isaiah chapter 5. Because we're all familiar with vines and how fruit, especially grapes, grow on vines, right? And we don't want them lousy grapes, right? We want good, big, juicy grapes, right? That's right. That's right. Sweet, mother. That's right. <laughs> it's good to see you. <laughs> Amen. So Isaiah chapter 5, we'll read the first two verses. Now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful hill. He dug it up and cleared out its stones and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to bring forth good grapes. Right? But it brought forth wild grapes. So Israel was supposed to bring forth good grapes. So remember how he told uh, Abraham and then even Balaam with, uh, uh, when he was uh, got paid by uh, the king Balak to come. Balaam even said, Whoever blesses Israel is blessed, but whoever curses Israel is cursed. Right? So they, the nations, if they attached themselves to Israel in the Old Testament, they were blessed. Right? As long as Israel was doing right, they were blessed. Right? So if they were ally, they helped them, they were blessed. But if they came against Israel, God's hand would be upon them. Why? Because Israel was the vine of God. Right? So now, he says they were supposed to bring forth good grapes, but they brought forth wild grapes. So what's the difference? Wild grapes... They're a lot smaller, right? They're a lot smaller and they're sour, right? They're not like the real grapes, like Mother said, sweet, right? So they were supposed to be bring forth sweet grapes, but they brought forth sour grapes. And the thing about this is you also have uh, a thing called, uh, what is it, moon seed that kind of looks like the wild grapes. But the difference is you have to actually cut it open to see what's inside, to see the, uh, the seed that's inside. And when you cut that, cut that wild, um, that moon seed open, it's the, um, the seed is the shape of a crescent, right? But the thing about this moon seed, because it looks like the wild grape, if you eat it, it's full of toxins. It can make you sick, right? But when you have a real good grape, <laughs> you know by the outside, and when you cut it open, you see the juices flowing, right? That's what happens when we connect to the true vine. Right. So we can't connect and be rooted into the wrong thing. So now Jesus is here. He's talking to his disciples. And this is the last of the seven I am's, like I mentioned last week. Now, it's only 11 because Judas has already gone to go to the chief priests and bring the, uh, the, the soldiers back to arrest Jesus. Less than 24 hours from now, Jesus is going to be arrested and crucified and put to death. The disciples don't know this yet. Right, but this is why Jesus is having this conversation with him, with them in the upper room. This is where the Last Supper is taking place. He has already washed their feet. He is actually preparing them because later in John chapter 15, he talks about how they're going to face persecution. And the only way for them to get through this persecution is to be abiding in the true vine. 
If they're not abiding in the true vine, there's no way they're going to be able to sustain the persecution. So, when they saw, anytime they went into a temple, uh, Israel did, they would see an ornament that was the vine, showing that Israel was the vine of God. That was a remembrance of them to show that they were God's prized possession. They were God's peculiar and holy people. Supposed to be, right? But we know all the time that they didn't do that, right? So, in contrast, Jesus is the true vine and we must be rooted in him. And this is what he's saying to the disciples. Look, don't be rooted in Israel, but be rooted in me, the true vine. All before you were rooted in Israel, which was the vine. But now you need to be rooted in me because I am the true vine. And this is where we today have to be careful of, because like I mentioned, we can be rooted in the wrong things. We can actually, as Christians, be rooted in the pastor. And then we start doing for the pastor where we may not even do for our spouse. So that shows that we're rooted in the wrong things. Right? We could be rooted in politics. Because if we're, if we're not careful, now we start looking at things in flat. So I saw a video this week. Somebody sent me a video. And I've I seen it a couple of times, but I was telling my wife about it. But, and I don't know where it was at, but the, um, the gentleman was up there. He had a God's greater than government on his shirt. And then he was uh, talking about, he was going before like a school board or a city council. And he was, they were there because they were complaining about some books that were actually in the school. And rightfully so, because these books basically had some explicit things in there. I don't know if it was elementary school or middle school, but needless to say, these books, as he read the book, it was almost as if you were reading a pornographic magazine. And these were made for these kids. Right. But the problem was, he said this. There was nothing wrong with what he was saying initially, but he came back and he said this. We have to figure out who's responsible for this. And then he goes on at the end and says the left is responsible for this. The Democrats. We always talk about spiritual warfare. How are you looking at the person or the political party when that's not what we're supposed to be doing? Because now you're looking at a person. If Jesus could be on the cross after being beaten and betrayed and say, Father, forgive them, shouldn't we do the same? That's right. Stephen, stoned. What does he say? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The apostle Paul gets stoned. I think it was in Lystra, in Acts. He gets stoned. He gets beaten. He gets dragged. He gets stoned, left for dead. Gets up. He goes back into the city. He doesn't say, oh, no, the left is over there or the right is over there. So I go, no. See, we talk about spiritual warfare so much, but yet the enemy is winning the battle. He's winning the battle. We know he doesn't win the war, but he's winning the battle because as long as he has us looking at people, That's right. then guess what? We're not abiding in the true vine. Because then we're going to be abiding as if we're abiding in Israel. Because Israel looked at people. Because Israel was not accepting to Gentiles, which is why Jesus had to be the true vine, because he became one, right, as Jews and Gentiles to make us one. Israel wouldn't have had that. Because in order to, to be a part of Israel, you had to go and do everything like they did. But see, now when we're connected to the true vine, now all we got to do is abide in Jesus. Amen. And then on the flip side, even today, we got people that are still abiding in Israel. 
Right? They, they, they say, well, I'm going to vote for this person because they're going to support Israel. But then you condemn America and Israel is doing the same thing America is doing. The same pride parades we're having here, they're having over there. Same things that when we complain about abortion, it's even worse over there because the government pays for it. So we don't abide in Israel. Israel is still God's people and nation and God still has a plan for Israel, but we have to abide in Jesus Christ. Amen. So of the many pictures of the relationship between God and his people, the vine and the branch picture emphasizes complete dependence and the need for constant connection. The branch depends on the vine even more than a sheep depends on the shepherd or even a child depends on the father. We know that the father needs to be in the child's life. We know that a shepherd needs to be in the chief's life, uh, the chief's life, the sheep's life, right? But the thing is this, a sheep and a child without a father can still survive. A branch can't be, can't survive separated from the vine. That's right. Because I couldn't find it, but I, I do know this, as a, 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 when you break off a tree from a branch, it starts to decay, it starts to die over a two or three year period. Right? It dies slowly. So that's the same what happens to a believer when they separate from the vine. It doesn't happen right away. But now all of a sudden I may not read my Bible as much. Instead of reading it every day, I may read it once a week. Now instead of getting up and praying in the morning, it may go, thank you Lord for waking me up. I got, I got to go. And then now instead of going to church, I'm running to doing other things. I don't need church. Because I'm the church. Right? So I don't need the fellowship. Right? That's when we have to see that we're not abiding in the true vine. Alright, so, so let's look at uh, chapter, uh, excuse me, verse 1. John 15. Let's go back to there if you're not there. Let's uh, break this down as we go. Alright, so John 15 Begin at verse 1. We're going, uh, let's see, yeah, verse 1. So I am the true vine. Remember I said the opposite of what is imperfect. The opposite of defective. The opposite of frail. Jesus is perfect. This is why we have to abide in him. Right? So I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. So here in the New Testament, the father is the vine dresser. Here's the thing. In the Old Testament, we learn even from Psalms 80 that the um, civic leaders, the religious leaders, were the vine dressers in the Old Testament. Because, and then now we can see, if, they, if we look at it, if they had a corrupt spiritual leaders or corrupt civic leaders, the rest of the people follow. They created things, they created high places, they created and, 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 and entertained idolatry because their hearts weren't right. But see, now in the New Testament, man can't keep Jesus. Only God can be the vine dresser. Not man. Verse 2. So every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, meaning he removes. So think about that for a moment. When I, when I read that, so every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So that means that we have skins to grow and now we become like Jesus. Amen. Let's, uh, nope, let's, uh, let's go back to John, John 15.
stay there. I also wanted to go to First Peter, but I'll read it. I'm only reading one verse. First Peter, chapter one, verse twenty-two. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, and having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Right. So the Word is incorruptible. Right, so we can't allow it to be corrupted. Right, so we have to protect that seed that is on the inside of us, which is the word. All right, so going back to uh, John 15, uh, verse 3. And we'll, we'll spend most of our time here. All right, John 15, verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Right, so that word... The word that Jesus is talking about when he's talking to his disciples, he's telling them, you are already clean. Why? Because of the word. That word is a familiar word. I'm sure we've heard before in, the, uh, in churches where it means logos, which is a spoken word. So I'm going to give you the, uh, where well, you can find it in strong. You can Google this, G3056, G3056. All you got to put that in, in your internet tab and put strongs at the end. It'll come up. <laughs> so, Logos, which is the spoken word. But here's the thing. That word Logos also means this. It means words spoken with a discourse. It means spoken words in the form of conceptions and ideas. Sayings and commands of teaching. So, in other words, what Jesus is saying is, you are already clean because of the teachings which I have spoken to you. See, this is why it's important for us to get sound doctor and, and, and more and more even this week for whatever reason it's like it hits me again that so many Christians are deceived because they're not getting the truth of the word and, and I, I said this to my wife I think uh, I don't know sometime this week but it's like we're getting people in church and we're trying to motivate them right we're trying to motivate them to be a Christian and I get sometimes we may not all be on full go 100% where, you know, we may have some days where we may grow. But we shouldn't need to be motivated to be born again and be in relationship with Christ that's right. every day or every week. If that's the case, we're not abiding. Because if we're abiding, guess what? We're going to see as we go to John 15. It's automatic. We're going to bear fruit. That's right. it's, it's automatic. This is why we can't get caught up in how well somebody sings. How well, because guess what? God blesses people with beautiful voices that can sing. But guess what? If they're not bearing fruit, it's not of God. They're abiding in the wrong thing. And this is where we have to be leery of. Right? Because it's by the fruit that we should know them. Right? So he's saying, you are already clean because of the teachings which I have given you. So, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. So that word logos can also be teachings, it will also mean sayings, and we're going to see some of that here. Ephesians chapter 5, right after Galatians. And before Philippians. Really want, uh, we'll start at verse 1. Hmm. So, alright, verse 1, Ephesians 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as their children. How can we imitate him if we don't know him? Amen. Right? right? If, we, if we don't come before the word, 
to know Jesus, how do we know him? Right. Well, Rasan, the Holy Spirit is in me. So he downloads everything in me. I don't need to. No, you will lie. It is the word we got to have. You need the word and you need the Holy Spirit. So if you're telling me that the Holy Spirit, then that's not the Holy Spirit talking to you. Because the Holy Spirit is going to bring us in remembrance of the word. So you can't say, well, I don't need to read the Bible because the Holy Spirit is talking. And there are Christians that are, that are like that. All right. Be, therefore, be imitators of, of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. So what greater love can he do besides when he gave his life? Yeah. Right. So really, these are the things that we should do for one another. Because that's what he told his disciples. And we're going to see as we go through John 15. To love one another. And Jesus set the example by giving himself for them and for us. Verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. So he says, let it not be named among you. Why do we have prosperity teachers? That are teaching it from the Bible. Right? Money cometh to me now. Right? <laughs> that was that whole sect there. <laughs> right. Kenneth Copeland and Crep and all them. Right? That's what they would say. They're teaching people how to covet. But he says this. Let it not even be named among you. So why is it being talked about in the church? Let's keep going. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse, coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. And I'm going to read those last two verses in the Amplify. Verse 3 in the Amplify and 4. But sexual immorality and all moral impurity, indecent, offensive behavior, or greed must not even be hinted at among you, as is proper among saints. For as believers, our way of life, whether in public or in private, reflects the validity of our faith. That was just verse 3. Right? So that gives me, brings me to the modern definition of integrity. Doing the right thing even when no one's looking. Right? But we have Christians that are not full of integrity. So, well, y'all, you know, Marie knows because we had a mechanic come by. Try to put, I paid him, but the job's not done. Right? So now if I was to go somewhere, and I know he's not saved, but if I go somewhere and I hear him talking about God, no, I don't want to hear that. Because as believers, we need to have integrity. Right? Because your fruit's not right. Because you quoted me a job, you said you were going to do it, you got paid, and it's not done. Verse 4. Let there be no filthiness and silly talking or course obscene or vulgar joking because such things are not appropriate for believers, but, in, but instead... Speak of your thankfulness to God. Alright. Uh, verse 5. Yeah, verse 5. I'm going back to New King James. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater. So people who cover things, whether it's money, houses, they're idolaters. They're putting those things before God. And we got to make sure we don't do that. This is why we have to stay in the Word. Alright. Who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. So he's saying that people who are doing these things 
have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. So why are we teaching some of these things in church? Or why are we looking the other way when we know some of our members or leaders are involved in sexual immorality looking the other way? Because they have talent? No, you're better off just doing the radio. Because God's not there. Because if he's saying that these people are not going to inherit the kingdom of God, why do we have people going to church all the time practicing these things? Verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Right? That word there also means teaching. It's the Logos right there. It also means teaching. Let no one deceive you with empty words or teachings. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Right? So it's, that's why I always tell you it's not okay to entertain false teachers. Because they all start out right in what they're saying because that's how they captivate the sheep. And then it goes, it starts to veer. No, we got to stay true to the word. That's how we abide. That's the only way we can be cleansed, be set apart, be holy, be sanctified is by the word of God being in us. And the true taught word of God, what I always say, if you do Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Beatitudes, you're great. If you're obeying the Lord in those three chapters, you're fine. And what was he doing there? He was teaching. He was teaching. Let's go to... Let's go to Matthew 7. I just talked about Matthew 7. start with 24 I think actually hold on let's go up. let's go to verse 17 17 through 20 then we jump down to 24 even so every good tree bears good fruit but a bad tree bears bad fruit a good tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a bad tree bear good fruit so if we're connected to the divine we should not be bearing bad fruit. Right? Again, it's going to be automatic. If we're abiding in the vine, we're abiding in Jesus Christ, it's going to be automatic that we bear fruit. And we're going to find out as we go, we won't get to it this week, why that's vital and why that's important. Alright, verse 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So that sounds like damnation. Eternal damnation. Punishment. Right? So he said, if you don't bear good fruit, it ain't going to work out well for you. No matter how much service you think you're doing for the kingdom, it's not going to work. We got to bear fruit. Got to bear fruit. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. Not maybe know them. Not sure. No, it's by their fruits, you will know them. Right? That, again, we get captivated with the wrong things. But it's by their fruit. And guess what? You might not be able to tell the fruit the first or second time you, you meet with somebody. You, we judge by the fruit. That's how we got to see people. That's how we got to see them. Because that shows us that they're truly abiding. Alright, let's jump down to uh, 24. Yeah, I know. It's electronics. I had a fat finger. so right. That's the thing we say in, in, the, in the Navy. Alright, verse 24. 
All right, so remember, so five, six, and seven, this, these are the Beatitudes he, he's teaching. All right, so verse 24, Matthew 7. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, that word sayings is the Logos again, because remember, he just got finished teaching in five, six, and seven, the Beatitudes. Therefore, whoever hears these teachings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on a rock. Why? Because when we're rooted in the vine, which is the true vine, Jesus Christ, we may face obstacles, but we're not going to give up. We're not going. This is why there's going to come a falling away, because we got people that are rooted in the wrong things and not Jesus Christ. So now, going back to John 15, we're going to stay in Matthew 7, but John 15, as we go later in that chapter, He's, he's warning them about the persecution that, that may come, that, that, that will come. And the fact that if you're not rooted in him, guess what? You won't stand. You're going to fold when that hardship, happen, hardship happens. And we got to be on guard about that. 26. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Again, that falling away, that's going to happen. It's going to happen because people are not rooted in the true vine. We have to be rooted in the true vine. That is the only way we can stand by being rooted in his word, knowing the truth. This is what he was trying to convey to the disciples, the 11 that were there, right? Because now, guess what? They were responsible for spreading the word. And because they were responsible for spreading the word, they had to spread the truth. Guess what? He had 12, but only 11 were rooted in him. Judas heard the same teachings that the other 11 did. But Judas didn't change. Jesus kept loving Judas. J Judas saw the examples of Christ. The other disciples, and the thing about the other disciples, they know about Judas. But Jesus knew. But he still kept loving him. And we read uh, a couple weeks ago how Judas was a trusted friend of Jesus. Jesus trusted Judas. See, you can fool some of the people because Judas, he fooled the other disciples because they didn't know. They didn't know he was a thief. They didn't know he was going to betray Jesus. He had them fooled. But guess what? All this time, he's been in Hades. For what? For silver. 30 pieces. Amen. Alright. Alright. Uh, verse 4 in John 15. Sorry. Let's go back to that. Read verse 4 and then we'll stop after that. All right, John 15, verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So I'll, I'll just read that right there. But again, I, I said this earlier, but there is no way we can bear fruit if we're not abiding in the Word. Because the Word is Jesus Christ. The Word is what cleanses us. Right? It cleanses us from that filth of the world. 
Right. So the more word we get inside of us, the better. And the thing about it is what we're doing today is we're not. A lot of times we're not getting the word. We're getting knowledge about the things that went on back there. But that's not going to keep you. And we got too many people that are seeking after the knowledge of those things instead of seeking the knowledge that's actually in the word, which is Christ, which is the true vine. And we're seeking after the wrong things, thinking, hey, if I get more knowledge. And then, you know, we, we you know, a lot of times we criticize seminary schools, but it's not the seminary's problem. It's not the seminary's job to get you closer to God. It's not. Actually, it's not the pastor's responsibility to get you closer to God. That is your responsibility. Right? What you do when you're not here, how much word you get into you, that's your responsibility. And we all have a part to play in that. And this is why we have Christians, when we see them, they look like shriveled up prunes because of the attitude that's on us. Right? It's like that, that moon seed. You cut them up, they're no good. They're toxic. They're poison. And guess what? Instead of changing, they're going to draw other people just with them. Right, and then what happens when you have a Christian that's on the fence and then they see a leader coming out of somewhere they're not supposed to be or doing something, well, you know what? It's all right for them, so they still can teach the word. And then what do we say? We'll, we'll come back and we're here in the church. Well, Jesus loves you. It's okay. Don't worry about it. Not realizing they're separated from the vine, the true vine. And these are things we have to stop because so many Christians, they're being led astray. They're being led astray to the point where I actually became scared with it this week, just seeing things and thinking about it, how scary, because what does he say? Narrow is the way. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way. So a lot of people who think they're going to make it, oh, they're not going to make it. Why? Because they're not abiding. They're not abiding. If you want to know if you want to make it, you need to abide. <laughs> right? You need to abide and you have to change. You have to bear fruit. Right? Because now, if we're abiding, again, it's automatic. Doesn't mean we won't face tough times. It won't, doesn't mean we won't face difficulties. But we will still be able to stand in the midst of those hardships. That is what Jesus is warning his disciples about. Whether it's persecution, no matter what it is, whether it's sickness, no matter what it is, we'll be able to stand. We won't be the ones crying in the corner. How could you do this to me, God? How could you do this? And then now we stop following him. That's a branch that's taken away. Right? And that's what the enemy wants us to. That's how he wants us to respond. And, and, and the wool's being pulled over the church's eyes. Right? Because again, like I mentioned, we're looking at people. No. You want to win the battle, abide in the vine. Abide in the vine, allow the Holy Spirit to grow you. Read the word. Hear the word. Understand the word. And apply it. We have to apply it. It's not good to just read it. Because sometimes we can just read the word and hear it. But not apply it. That's right. Right? Because now if we're not applying it, now we're not submitting to the Holy Spirit. Right? Because that's what he's there for. To give us understanding. Right? You're not going to find anybody here on earth that I'm aware of that knows everything in the Bible. You're not going to find nobody like that. Right? And, and sometimes we may hear people quote scriptures and things like, yeah, we do have some biblical experts, but they don't know everything in the Bible. Right? So we can't, don't allow your thoughts to go that way. But stay in the Word. 
Trust the Lord and abide in Him. Because that's the only way we're going to grow, bear fruit, and make it. Amen. Because if we're not careful, we're going to be a branch that's broken off and then we're going to die. And it's a, it's a slow death. Slow spiritual death. And then we become separated. Amen? Amen. Let's start right there. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.